Hi, and welcome to Picard Cast. As always, I'm Brooke, and with me, like every other time, is Rebecca. <laughs> oh, geez, I thought you were pausing so I could introduce myself. <laughs> like, I've never done this before. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Nerd. Uh, oh, and Nerd. that other voice was our very first guest, Joe Prime from Vintage Geeks Podcast. He's here again because he's our first guest for the actual Picard series. You know, we had we have to keep it the same, you know, guys. Like, the first is the first, all right? Listen, I, I planted this flag a long time he ago. Sure he did. Though. He Everybody. did, actually, you guys. <laughs> He uh, sure did. I want the first episode, he said. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm number one. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, we're here for the first episode of the first season of Star Trek Picard. It's called Remembrance, and I'm super excited about this, you guys. Uh, so, it's finally here. It's finally here! Yes! I, could not, I couldn't believe it was here already. It's been... Looking forward to this for almost a year. Yes. Yes. Crazy. So now here's the question. Um, the the episode dropped at 12.01 a.m. Thursday, the 23rd uh, uh, Pacific time. So that was that's 3.01 a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, Eastern time where mm-hmm. all three of us happened to be on the on the mm-hmm. Eastern time. What time did you guys watch the episode? I watched it at like 5.15 in the morning. <laughs> I woke up early before work to watch it. <laughs> I was going to get up and watch it when it came on because I've done that for another show from a different property. The one that shall not be <laughs> named on this. <laughs> <laughs> the show that shall not be named. <laughs> And I was going to do that, and then I went to sleep, and then I was like, I don't want to get up. So then I didn't get up early enough to watch it before work, and I was too busy at work for, like, lunch break or anything. So I didn't get to watch it till I got home on Thursday night. Oh, So okay. then I had to watch it twice. Right. That's fine. <laughs> I was up at 5.30. I was going to watch it in our bedroom, and then I'm like, you know what? I'm going downstairs to the big screen TV with the subwoofer and of course my wife is up drinking coffee and she said why are you watching why is it so loud at 5 30 in the morning i'm like because <laughs> i have to experience it you know and i have one dog who doesn't like the subwoofer so he goes into the bathroom behind the toilet <laughs> you know, get away from it. but i'm like that's just the way it is oh, oh, so, he, so it was like 5 30 ish so we we kind of watched it around the same time joe yes yeah it's awesome Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had sent, uh, by the time I finally got to watch it, I sent Rebecca a message and was like, what? Because we did our, like, hot takes on it real quick. And I, and I which you'll listen to before you listen to this. And uh, I was just like, I wrote down, what? A bunch of times. <laughs> because I just couldn't believe what I was watching. Like Rebecca said, the air date was... January 22nd, 2020. We are in the future. (laughs) (laughs) We're in the future, 2020. It just feels weird (laughs) saying 2020, you guys. Doesn't it, though? Like, it does feel weird saying 2020. Ugh, it's very strange. But it's so appropriate, I feel like, that the Picard series comes out in sort of a futuristic-sounding year. (laughs) I know. So, this episode was directed by Hanel Culpepper, who's actually done the next episode, too. So, episode two is also directed by her. And then there's a lot of, like, people's hands in this, which was kind of surprising because it seemed to go... I think it 
seemed to go pretty well. But the telepay was written by Akiva Goldsman and James Duff. So no strangers to Star Trek. The story was Akiva Goldsman, but Michael Shaban, that's how you say his last name, right? Shaban. Shaban. I was like, I can't remember how to say his last name. Uh, Alex Kurtzman and James Duff. You know, they know what they're doing. They're showrunners or done people done star trek and all that kind of stuff before so but it was interesting that it was like four of them did all of it so i wonder if like the other two when they did the teleplay that maybe they added things or if they all worked together in the beginning i, I don't know mm. well ju- just a just a quick note here on a couple of things i did notice that michael of course michael shaban who's the uh, the showrunner he also is uh, credited as a co-creator of the show mm-hmm. um and also hanel culpepper um is also credited as a producer of mm-hmm. the show um she is also the first black woman to direct anything star trek yep so i was pretty excited to read that i thought that was great a really important first here for mm-hmm. for a Star Trek property. Yeah, and she's think- a huge she's a huge next generation. That's like her jam. She said yeah. in that Will Wheaton after show. Yeah, oh, this is right in her wheel. This, you know, she is like, like we are. We're so excited to see this. She was she was like in awe that she got to do this because of of she loves Next Generation. I love it. It That's makes awesome. me so happy that we live in a time where people who are fans of things get to work on the things that they were fans of. Mm. How how incredible is that? You know, it is true. Like we are at that time where, you know, people who grew up like people like our age in our 40s and, and older grew up watching like Star Trek Next Generation and now are at an age where they can be involved in the creation mm-hmm. of new Star Trek. I mean, that's just incredible to me. I think that's super exciting. You know, people who. And then, you know, you, you kind of think about people who grew up watching the original series then became the the crafts people mm-hmm. of Next Gen and Deep Space Nine, mm-hmm. Voyager, Discovery, Enterprise. Those people grew up on TOS. And so you see how each sort of generation influences the next. Mm-hmm. And so now for people, can you imagine people who are like maybe teens watching Next Generation? Now they're adults and they're directing episodes mm-hmm. with Sir Patrick Stewart. I mean, oh, oh my God, I would die. It's right? just so it's, mm-hmm. it's exciting. And, and, and you hear that in a lot of fandoms too, right? Like people say, oh, I grew up watching Doctor Who and now I yeah. am, you know, like I, I, I just to like digress for a second. The first episode of Doctor Who I saw in the theater with the Fathom event. And um, Jodie Whittaker said basically that kind of that idea that she grew up watching Doctor Who. She's a big Doctor Who fan. Mm-hmm. And now she is the doctor. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like it's so fun to see that in, in these long running fandoms, the people who are able to now participate. Uh, the doctor before her, Peter Capaldi, uh, wrote into like Doctor Who magazine or whatever. He was a kid wanting to be the president of a Doctor Who fan club. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Uh, David Tennant always loved Doctor Who. Like, that was really cool. Um, And you see it now, like, with Star Wars, too. There's a lot of people who are fans of Star Wars who are getting to work on Star Wars, too. Property that shall not be named. Mm. (laughs) I did bring it up. That's okay. We can name it. It's okay. We're also Star Wars fans here. Yeah, but you're the one who's always like, ugh. No, it's okay. No, no, it's true. I am because... I mean, you know, Star Trek is for smart people, but that's okay, everybody. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. 
<laughs> sort of. My heart. Oh, I know. I know. That was mean. I'm sorry. I'm teasing. I know you're. I know you're a big Star Wars fan, bigger than I am. And that's, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm teasing you completely about that. Oh, by the way, speaking of fans getting to work on things, if anybody's out there is a costume designer for any of these things and needs an assistant, oh, I Brooke. I can help you out, you guys. Please call Brooke. Please. She's amazing. Thank you. So after I get off here, I'm going to get, I'm going to actually make some costumes too for some cons coming up. So I digress. (laughs) I'm just so excited about everything. Okay. No. (laughs) Okay. Joe, do you want to give sort of your quick take on this? Uh, Like what your feelings were about it before we really deep dive into it? Uh, Well, I was just, again, just looking forward to seeing Patrick Stewart reprise his role uh i thought it was beautifully shot i love the 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 like the color palette of it the the and if you watch that will wheaton after show she, uh danelle culpepper talks about you know how discovery is more in the cold than the than like the blues and this is more in the earth tones and all that with the you know the stuff at the vineyard and how it's shot but i thought the acting was great. I thought this was a great launching off point for a first episode to get the story going. It had a bunch of surprises in there and uh, a bunch of Easter eggs, which was which was great. It's I think it's just a an immensely strong opening uh, to this series. Okay, cool, cool. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm really glad to hear what you guys have to say about all of this now. Okay. <laughs> also, I can't yes. wait to discuss all the Easter eggs. I. <laughs> The Easter egg, and Joe, we'll let you talk about it since you sent it to us. Joe yes. sent us a screenshot of an Easter egg. Yeah, we'll post um, it. Which, by the way, I've read several. I've read an article about you know all the Easter eggs you might have missed, and that one is not mentioned. Ah. So you caught it, Joe, yeah. and these sites did not. So good, good on you. Because nice. everything else I pretty much caught, but that one I did not. It's funny how I can be super detailed with like that but stuff around the house with my wife asked me i totally space on and she's like how can you not remember that i just told you that so it's it's weird when we focus on the things that we like really really love i love my wife don't get me wrong but maybe but she i don't should, love laundry you maybe know she so. should start referring to things in like star trek terms you know so maybe that'll maybe. help Maybe if she was like, uh, Joe, don't forget to clean out the warpness cells later. You'll be like, <laughs> on it. Yes. <laughs> she hates all of this stuff. I know. She I know. absolutely <laughs> hates all of this stuff. This look, Okay. For everyone out there, his wife is like a saint because he is very, very, very into lots of things, but especially like Star Trek is definitely one. Uh, Superman is another thing. She is a saint because it, I I know no one. The, uh, the only person who can live with me is my roommate because I am so deep into my fandom. So, you know, the fact that, that they've been together for so long and have just a wonderful little life and he's got all of his fandoms well, usually, and stuff. What, you, what usually happens with my office, because you can, like, if you walk by, I'm on the, we're on the main, I'm on the main floor of my office, uh, right off the foyer, and so, I mean, you can see Superman stuff, uh, Rebecca, that uh, Shazam uh, art drawing that you gave me is on the wall. Oh, okay, cool. It's all this stuff, but, so, like, when we have people coming over, I, like, I'll walk by and I'll, and I'll see that she shut the door, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And she does that. She just walk by and kind of shut it because 
<laughs> we don't talk about this room. Yeah. <laughs> there, I have so much. I still have so much stuff in here, but I, I put because I didn't know if we were going to move. I have nine boxes of statues, figures, oh, action wow. figures, all that. That's that's in storage, and I still have a lot of stuff just oh, wow. <laughs> everywhere. I know it's. When I moved uh, late last year and we were packing up, my my collection is is minuscule compared to yours, but I, it's my collection, and so we're 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 packing it up in a box, and 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 my friend who's helping me pack is like. Well, maybe now's a good time to pare down this collection. Like, maybe we should think about moving. And I just looked at her and I was like, Mm -mm. there's nothing that's not coming with me. This is all coming with me. It will fit in this box. And even if it needs a second box, it's all coming with me. (laughs) Nothing is getting left behind. And she was like, I have built-in shelves. I do have built-in shelves to to my place. So I'm like, you don't understand. I have a place for all of this. It's going to be displayed quite nicely. In so, I ha- so I happen like if I order anything, so I'm usually the first one home. So I'll get it, unpack it, get rid of the box, uh, put the other box like in storage, and I'll put it on my desk. Because so sometimes she'll say, "Was is, was that, that? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, no, it was over there. I just moved it over here. No, that's not new. <laughs> that's not and new. luckily, she'll never hear this. She will never know. <laughs> she'll never hear this. She will never- she does not know how to get to a podcast app, so don't worry oh. about it. Oh. <gasps> All right. <laughs> we, still, we still love Joe's wife. Yeah. No, I mean, I I was not being sarcastic saying she oh, was no, the same. She's you, great. <laughs> All right. So let's get into this. Uh, the synopsis I have was straight off of CBS All Access, so it's sort of a generic one. Uh, It says, at the end of the 24th century and 14 years after his retirement from Starfleet, Jean-Luc Picard is living a quiet life on his vineyard, Chateau Picard. When he is sought out by a mysterious young woman in need of his help, he soon realizes she may have a personal connection to his own past. Dun, dun, dun. So, you know, we've we've obviously seen the episode now. We've seen the trailer. So we know this is Dodge, this young woman. In the episode is how we find out how he meets her. So the first scene, we see shots of nebulas and stuff. And we hear Bing Crosby singing Blue Skies as the soundtrack. Which is like a callback to uh, Nemesis. Because that's what Data sang, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was like... I just did this. I just did this edit on this podcast. I remember <laughs> we were talking about that, um, but it was over three hours, so it took a long time. <laughs> yeah, the pan- camera pans. We see the Enterprise. It zooms in on a window. We're in ten forward. We have Picard and Data. They're playing poker. Picard is telling Data that he's got to tell, and of course, Data is an Android, and he's like, "That's that's not possible." And Picard's like, "Well, one of your pupils flinches." To make me think you have a tail, so I know when you're neutral, you don't have one. <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> I like that. Like the data would be tricking him to think, trying to trick him to think that he had tail, and then he really he doesn't. Well, I, I also yeah, I yeah. also like that data says, "Well, now that you figured oh, that yes, out, yes, I don't yes. know which deception to employ." Yes, yes. So he's like, "Oh, so you're totally aware." Of all of this, also how how beautiful did the Enterprise D look? Oh my goodness! That was the whole. Oh my yeah. god! How that gorgeous was, I, is that shot? Like, I, lo- I love that the Next Generation ended with them playing poker, 
and it's mm-hmm. panning out, you know, out from mm-hmm. the Enterprise. And this one is panning mm-hmm. Enterprise coming at you, and you go right into Ten Ford with them playing. It's mm-hmm. yeah, and and the way, and also, you know, this is shot like Discovery on, in in like movie format. So it's just mm-hmm. it's it's absolutely gorgeous and I, as soon as that happened like as soon as i saw it like the enterprise d i'm like getting chills i'm like oh, I, I know this is probably the only time we're going to see it you know physically i know there's like holograms sure. of it and we've seen in, mm-hmm. in previews but it's just it's it's such a beautiful ship mm-hmm. yeah gorgeous yeah. um did they mention like how they did effects and stuff on the after show because i haven't really looked into it to see what kind of mix of like cg or practical effects or anything that they do i didn't know what no was they what. didn't no they didn't ha- i haven't really looked for there may be a featurette out there about it but uh I'm sure that's all cg I, it was gorgeous either way yeah i mean say what you will about discovery i mean i have my issues with discovery you know season two is better but as far as the production values and the effects it's it's mm-hmm. movie it's movie quality so they are definitely putting the money into these shows which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, yeah. they have—they still haven't gotten any money from me because I'm still watching CBS All Access. I got another month free, <laughs> so I still have not paid. So, so I have a month of commercial free that I'm sharing with Jake with, from PCL, and uh, so we'll see what happens. But I have like five different emails, and I keep getting offers, so I keep bouncing. <laughs> And I'm just gonna keep doing it. So CBS, CBS is listening, and they're like, "Damn that guy! <laughs> He's the one guy." It was curses. <laughs> Well, I'm Virginia. We're not making any money on, and he's watched it for free four different times. <laughs> What's going on, marketing department? <laughs> oh my God, that's hilarious! I I was saying just this morning that if CBS is running numbers on my account. They're like, wow, she's watching it from like eight different states <laughs> in the world. She must really like this show. She just travels around to different states in the in the country and watches the show. Walk, you're walking through those. It's 2020. You're walking through those transporter door things. That's you know what that. I'm doing. Yeah, exactly. I transport myself, you know, to uh, Illinois and then to Iowa and then to Ohio. And <laughs> oh, uh, who could you just, possibly be letting in any of those states? I don't, watch? I don't know. Just people, I guess. And Carol has joined. She sat there and watched Picard with me. I think she enjoyed it. Except for when number one barks, she's like, what? Oh, yeah. Oh, my yeah. dogs, too. <laughs> well, it's awesome. The other thing, just, I know, getting ahead, but number one in that, uh, I was going to say the Wesley Crusher show. The yeah, f-ing, uh, whatever. Uh, Crusher show. The, uh, will we? W-W. No, no one tells him to shut up. They should just call it Shut Up, Wesley, and then... <laughs> <laughs> but th- that uh, number one is an actual rescue pit. Yeah, yeah, yes. I did know that. Which I thought is awesome. Yeah, because yeah. Patrick Stewart and his wife work with rescue pits. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah he um, pits I, I and did horses read that are his he, Yeah, I did read that he uh, he chose that mm-hmm. particular breed yep. to be featured as his dog on the show. Because there is such a stigma yeah. uh, with that breed. And so, again, because him and his wife Foster, uh, these dogs, he wanted, number one, he wanted his dog on the show to be one of these rescue pits. And so I think that's lovely. I think that's great. If you yeah. guys, I'm sure people who love the show follow Sir Patrick Stewart on 
on social media and him and his wife did foster ginger for quite a while and they were unable to keep her because you know they travel between the u.s and the uk and you can't bring animals like that so um they ended up placing her in a in a good home but every once in a while ginger comes for a visit and uh those videos are precious and if you've never seen them just check them out on sir patrick stewart's facebook page they are adorable yeah 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 he puts links on his twitter i think two of them too yeah very sweet (laughs) back to the show (laughs) it's like we're we're digressing a lot for a show that we all enjoyed (laughs) but it's just so exciting okay so we're we're with Picard and Data. Picard pours himself some tea and then he asks, like, if Data wants any milk or sugar. And it's like, Data doesn't need to drink any tea, so that was kind of weird. And Data's like, are you stalling? And he says, I just don't want the game to end. Like, aww. He misses Mm -hmm. this. You know, Data makes his bet and then Picard says he's all in. And I wrote in my notes, that's exactly how I felt at this moment of this show. I was like, (laughs) yes, I am here for this for this show, for this episode, for this season, for this season. Series, I am excited. After, you know, he says he's all in, then we see, like, out the window the uh, from the trailers with Mars exploding and Picard, like, reacting, and then it just takes over the screen, and we find out it was all a dream. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So the next scene, he wakes up. Number one wakes up and comes over to him because he's had a good dream that kind of turned into a nightmare at the end, you know. Bad stuff happening, and the dog was worried about him. Just like Carol is apparently worried about me and is licking my hand. (laughs) (laughs) Picard gets up and goes to the window and he looks out and you see his vineyard. There's people there. There's machinery. Looks like something's like watering or doing pesticides or something. But I don't know if they have pesticides. Uh, You know, doing stuff to the fields. And it pops up Chateau Picard, France, on the screen. We see something that's going to appear, I assumably, in all of the episodes. Because in this episode, whenever they've gone to different places, it will have the, the title. I didn't mind it. It was kind of cool. It's very, it's, you look very futuristic lettering. It wasn't distracting from anything. Mm-hmm. So, um, can, can we go back one quick oh, yes, second? Yes. Um, so I don't know if this is actually an Easter egg, according to an article I read. It is an Easter egg. Oh. Um, when they're playing cards and Data lays down five queens. Right. I wondered if that was something. Well, according to this article by the Hollywood Reporter, um, oh. Uh, written by Phil Perello, want to give credit. Um, uh, he, or they list this as a reference to Q. Oh. Uh, that whenever, because Q has been such a big part of uh, Star Trek Next Generation and uh-huh. all the other series going forward, that the five queens or the five Qs is a reference to Q himself. Uh-huh. Um, and that also during the opening bars of the t- of the opening title mm-hmm. um which i think actually we might get to a little bit later but mm-hmm. when you hear the opening title there apparently is you can hear a flute yeah which yep. is a reference to picard's flute from nice. the inner light episode yeah, so I, I forgot to write down where the credits come in so we can talk about that it's, a, it's after the after the boston scene we're talking oh, about okay. Talking about I, yeah, I, I jumped ahead there a little bit. Sorry I, about that. I wrote it down, but I didn't type it in. The, yeah. Okay. I, yeah, cool. I, yeah. I did. I didn't type it. I just wrote it down. Hey, Brooke. I was thinking about. I was, I was thinking about when you were talking about how the futuristic writing. Imagine if Chateau Picard came up like. Remember, like in Avengers Endgame, Chateau <laughs> yes! Picard, gigantic, gigantic. Those giant cards, giant letters. Yeah. 
yeah, but, that's um, exactly what I was thinking. I was like, that might have been a little much. And, and also, too, of course, the reference to the shipbuilding yards on Utopia Planitia. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, location referenced many times in Star Trek. Also, specifically, I hope Leah Brahms wasn't working that day. I hope, uh, or oh, no. maybe she was not there anymore. But, you know, of course, Leah Brahms famously worked at the, the shipyards at Utopia Planitia. So hopefully she wasn't there. <laughs> Well, maybe she wasn't if she really did marry Jordy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Stalking pays off, see? Yeah, uh, no. Yeah, don't stalking. say that. <laughs> I am so, total joke. Come on. I know, but there are people who are, don't take jokes. <laughs> the Picard cast is not endorsed stalking. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, yes. <laughs> But we do endorse, but, but but we do endorse funny jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. So the next scene, we see this large futuristic city. It's kind of reminiscent of like Hong Kong or Singapore or something. And then we have the another title at the bottom, and it says it's Greater Boston, but it doesn't say USA or anything, which I think is kind of amusing, since the other ones, uh, you know, I mean, it does say Bo- I guess there's, I don't know, I guess there's just one Boston. We see a close up on Dodger's face, like her eyes, and she's gay into the eyes of this lovely young man who we find out later is her boyfriend. Uh, we don't ever get his name, but we do find out he's a Zian because she says he should use his Zian intuition to uh, figure out what they're celebrating because they're sitting there drinking wine with candles lit and everything. Turns out she has made it into the Daystrom Institute. She's going to be working on like artificial intelligence and all that kind of stuff, so that's really exciting. He gets up to get a more exciting drink for their exciting moment and, from the replicator, and all she has is vanilla milkshakes, apparently. Nothing <laughs> <laughs> wrong with that. Yeah, I, like, yeah. I like vanilla milkshake. Right? <laughs> right? Suddenly, as the boyfriend is over trying to make these milkshakes, three figures appear they're all dressed in black. They're wearing helmets, so we can't see who or what they are. Uh, one throws, like, a knife or a dagger or something towards the boyfriend. It hits him right in the heart, and, you know, he falls. And uh, they I was, I was like, right? Jesus, like, I'm like, right? good to know you already, you know? Right? You know? <laughs> it's like, we didn't even get his name, man. It's like, I guess at least he had some lines, so he has a sad card. So, you know. Uh <laughs> they grab dodge and they're starting to like interrogate her and ask her where she's from and where the rest of them are and i was like oh oh is she is she is she a android or something you know like as soon as they say that i'm like there's something like this that's going on and i'm like how why would if that's going to be a big part of the show why are they doing it now of course we'll find out soon (laughs) but they you know she doesn't want to she's like trying to answer their questions just tell them that she's from Seattle and she doesn't know what they're talking about and they they decide to cover her with a hood and like try to knock her out well when they do that it turns on something in her brain and all of a sudden she's like a sleeper agent and she just beats them all up and then grabs one of their guns and kills them and then takes off the hood and looks around and is like oh crap when she realizes what's happened when when he says is she's been activated mm-hmm. i thought okay she's some kind of a sleeper agent mm-hmm. or she's enhanced in some yeah. way yeah i wasn't also, sure if she know... was like a full like you know like a data sort of thing but i was like there's something well you they know, asked was... you know like where he said like where are the rest of you where are you from mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then she then she you know becomes activated and then goes you know met you know jason Bourne on him. right 
Yeah, pretty much. Um, so there's a really interesting article that I read, and it you, you can also read it on StarTrek.com, and it's an article about Issa Briones, the actress who plays Dodge. Mm-hmm. Um, and she talks a little bit about how she prepared for this role, that um, when she was younger, um, she was heavily into martial arts. Cool. Um, and she's not... She's actually quite young in real life. She's only 21. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, when she was a kid, she basically said that she was in the dojo seven days a week. Wow. Um, she loved martial arts, really was into it. Then she kind of stopped for a while because she wanted to go into acting and like thought, okay, I'll focus on acting. And then when she got this job and they told her, okay, you're going to have to learn how to do some fighting skills, she was like, oh, gotcha. Nice. And uh, basically she said she trained for about a month to do the fight scene that we see on the steps mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. toward the end of the episode. And um, and that was heavily featured in the trailers as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and of course she has a stunt double and there's a whole stunt team that work on these things. But um, that, a lot of it is her. Nice. A lot of it is, is her doing this stuff because she said, you know, once she started practicing, it was like it all came back to her mm-hmm. um, and that it was felt, felt very like second nature. So she is uh, she is pretty much badass in her Do own you, right. This, uh, this, this actor. Could you send me a link to that and we'll put it in the show notes? I sure will. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I was very impressed with the fight choreography in this first episode. Yeah. Oh yeah, I I have to say like, and I know we'll talk about another the other fight scene later on, but this fight scene was so good mm-hmm. because she's she does the whole thing with a with a pillowcase over her yeah. head, so it was very very Jason Bourne. Uh, so yeah, I totally got that vibe as well. But yeah, great action, great choreography on that, and then later on on the steps, I mean, it's a pretty complicated fight to you know all the kicking and the punching mm-hmm. and you're on these steps and you're running up and down like it's a lot of coordination a lot of choreography to get that right mm-hmm. and i thought you know props to the entire stunt yeah. team that did that that's just absolutely so well done yes yes it was and uh i so i don't ever forget to say this i was really surprised to see how many visuals from the trailers were actually in this first episode mm. i was too actually a us, lot from the trailer was yeah, here and we were speculating on things for the whole season on some of those scenes and they were in this episode and it's like and it didn't ruin it no i mean we had theorized that the scene of her fighting those guys on the steps we theorized that those guys would kidnap her take her away Mm -hmm. and that picard would be it would be picard searching for her Mm -hmm. to sit you know or uh, to help her so that's what we imagined and too like it was interesting to see so so many scenes from the trailer just in this first episode we certainly saw you know the scene of mars blowing up mm-hmm. the um the poker game mm-hmm. data painting mm-hmm. the picture and then the vineyard and picard saying i don't know how to finish it and yeah lots and lots the the, and the even, drawer with the android yes. in it and like even that. when he has when he has the moment where he's remembering things when he was remembering scenes like that was in this too mm-hmm. it's like what yeah i have seen trailers for movies ruin movies with that many scenes in them right right Oh yeah. I, I think it was smart to include stuff from just the first episode only because now thinking about it and seeing how it it's set up mm-hmm. there was still plenty in here that surprised me. Yes. There was still yes. because we had, we had also theorized 
um, and this should go without saying, but we are spoiling everything in here, everybody. So if you haven't watched what? this episode. Wait a minute. Nobody told me this. I'm out. I only watched this three times. I don't want you to spoil it for I me. Know. If anyone's listening to this is like, I haven't watched this yet. I don't think you should listen to this because we're going to spoil a lot of stuff. But like, like go watch we, it and then come back. Yeah, exactly. We had theorized and I was a big uh, proponent of the theory that Dodge was Hugh's daughter. Yes. She was Borg. She was an ex-Borg. She was a child of a Borg. I and that the memory of Picard had been like implanted in her brain by Hugh mm-hmm. that if anything happens to me, you go find this person. I was like so sure that that was the case. And of course, that's not true at all. Right. And this episode proved that she's not that at all but so the the amount of stuff they showed us in the trailer did not take away my enjoyment nor did it spoil any surprises so yeah i thought that was that that, that was great yes agreed after this boston scene that's where they have the credits so let me know what you guys thought of the new style of credits you know it's a little more like i think they were a little more like netflix show credits instead of like necessarily Star Trek credits but let me know what you all thought I mean it definitely feels more like the Discovery credits yeah, I still um, haven't watched agree, Discovery 100%. but I will I yeah, will. yeah I mean if, if you just watch like a, one episode of Discovery and you watch the credits I mean the it's pretty similar style. It's, you know, very stylized. Um, I loved the music. I really did. I thought the music was really beautiful here. You know, you, you compare the music to, like, let's say the TNG theme. You know, it's, like, all, like, horns and, you know, like, you know, and it's because it's an adventure show, yeah. right? And it's like, we're going to have an adventure. Totally go where no one has yeah, gone before. Yeah, gone before. You know, you expect that. This, I thought that the music reflected the character mm-hmm. of Picard more in that obviously he's much older. Picard is emotionally more mature, mm-hmm. uh, physically more mature, mm-hmm. and approaches things differently now. Um, he's not at this moment in time. I think we're going to see that change in the next episode. But at this moment in time, Picard is definitely not the boldly go guy. He's the stay at home and write a book guy. So I think that the music reflects that about the show. I mean, he's about to go off on an adventure, probably. So I like the music a lot. I thought mm-hmm. it was beautiful. And I thought the credits were gorgeous to look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe, what, what were your thoughts on the on the credits? Yeah, music, music is great, especially watching that featurette about how it was composed and you know, it, it starts and ends with that flute. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in the middle is obviously the, the different theme. And then I guess the, and I guess they said the, I mean, the visuals, the, the you know, the little piece of the sky, it's, that's supposed to represent like the essence and it ends up on Picard. It kind of goes through the motions, you know, mm-hmm. through a Borg cube and all that. I, don't, I mean, that's not like the opening sequence that I would have done mm-hmm. with it. Uh, it's very stylized and mm-hmm. probably has a lot of deep meanings to it. Yeah, music-wise. Music, and again, on Discovery 2, this is like movie quality. So I give them a ton of credit for the production values and mm-hmm. what they're doing with it. So I'm going to watch the credits the first episode and probably not ever again. So I don't really care. It doesn't matter to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, I mean, that's just me. That's fine. <laughs> I do that sometimes. I do watch the credits on Narcos every time, though, because I like that music. Anyway, and I might have watched that several times. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> Random. Random, yes. Um. So I really loved, like, I thought the music was beautiful. And first I was kind of like, oh, it's not going to be like a space visual but i really sort of like 
liked it because once the little piece fell down, it completed Picard's face at the end. And it was like, all the pieces are going to fit together and then we're going to know what happened. You know, like it sort of had this, mm-hmm. you know, bigger meaning to me. And I'm like, oh, that's that's beautiful. I love it. And I don't know, maybe I was just super excited about watching this. <laughs> But um Yeah, I, I mean I, I get it what what you're saying, Joe, like you'll you'll never watch the credits again, which is which is I think that's probably like ninety five percent of people. And then you've got like the weird five percent of me who's like, I'm gonna watch the credits every time because I love the music and I think I, it's pretty to look at. I, I definitely um, <laughs> watched them every time I watched it so far. <laughs> Yeah, I I did too. I just I really really like, and it's so funny because you know you can easily you know uh, just skip it. Like they always offer you the option, right, just to like skip mm-hmm. intro. But even when I watched, even when I watch Next Generation or like I'm currently rewatching uh, Voyager, I tend to like l- watch the credits each time <laughs> because I just I like I like the theme music and I like that it it gets me like hyped for the for the episode I'm about to watch and so I don't know for me who enjoys the credits um in a weird way it, I feel like it got me hyped for the episode um so yeah I'll, I'll probably watch the credits each time well I'm, I'm weird that it's the like, I was doing a lot of rewatches too mm-hmm. but one show I've always watched the credits on is Deep Space Nine because yeah. I love that theme. Mm-hmm. And, oh, that's a and, beautiful theme. Yeah. You know, and, and then the, the, you know, especially early on, uh, it was, the visuals were, were kind of plain. And then as you m- moved to the seasons, they had like more ships coming and docking. Then yeah. you had the Defiant and all that. I, and I just love that Deep Space Nine. It's just so majestic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I have to say, I think overall, most Star Trek, uh, I mean, even when I rewatched TOS, I listened to the, and 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 those credits are hashtag basic. It's just you know pe- pe- people's names, but it's the music. It's such a familiar you know do 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 do. Right. I always listen to it because I I mean to me it's like oh it's time for Star Trek you know and I love listening to it. So yeah, um, I think I I I like the credits like a lot. <laughs> they were I did, I thought they were great. Yeah, I don't know. I might watch them every time because it's uh, I know when I was uh, binge watching episodes of Next Generation it was I would just have to skip it because it's like I can only take dun, 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 you know so, so yeah. many times <laughs> Because it just gets so exuberant at the end, you know, like crescendos and it's like, oh, Uh, (laughs) yeah, I, I, I was glad that it had good music since, you know, I'd heard about the whole thing from what Enterprise. Is that the one that's got the weird music? Yes. Okay. It's the only one that has a theme song with words. Yeah, that's weird. Um, And I haven't seen Discovery. And by the time this posts, I still won't have seen any Discovery. So I didn't know what kind of music they had. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, I'm not going to be able to watch it in the next couple hours. So <laughs> I want this out. Anyway, yeah, so far, everything is overall, we all like it. That's exciting. Ooh, I love this show. I don't want to <laughs> wait another week for an- for this show. I know. Oh, I know. Okay. So after the credits, zooms in on Chateau Picard. We see Picard in number one walking out to the fields. Number one's got some sort of rodent or something in his mouth. <laughs> and he and he's talking French to him. Yes. yes. How awesome is that? And I, yes. That he was speaking French to him. I didn't type that in here, but I wrote French. He's speaking French, like gigantic in my notebook. And it's hilarious because one of the things he says to the dog is, don't act like you don't speak French in French. (laughs) 
hilarious. One, one, I things, like... uh, one things I was surprised with, like, I, and I thought this would have been the area to do it is to maybe see like the grave of Robert and Renee mm-hmm. who died in that fire that they, you know, that was talked about in, in generations, you know, oh. just as a little, it's like a little Easter egg, you know, because that's, do we know whatever happened to his sister-in-law? No, I think on the memory alpha, it just, it, it says, it just says she's alive, but yeah, they never said what happened to her. Yeah. And she, yeah, in the, in the shows or in the movies, they never bring her up again. So, yeah, that that's a good point, Joe. I didn't even think about that, but maybe like in a, maybe in another episode we may have that moment because, um, I mean, we know that coming, you know, go, going forward he's going to start his his adventure and gathering right. his crew. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, who knows? We could get a scene of him leaving the vineyard and maybe he says goodbye to, yeah. you know, uh, Renee and, and, and Robert at their graves and, you know, that kind of thing. And, but And mm-hmm. we've even seen, like, the scenes with uh, Seven of Nine, there's scenes of her in his house talking to him in his study or whatever. So he'll definitely be back at some point. So even if we don't see it, like, when he yeah. leaves this time, we might see it some other t- You know what I mean? Or it might end on him. Maybe he's telling them what happened. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, they go back up to the house and there's a guy standing there. He looks like he's probably Romulan. He's got the pointy ears and the eyebrows and stuff. And they don't have, they, I don't feel like they have enough facial ridges for me to tell the difference between Vulcans and Romulans anymore. And it's yeah, disappointing. It's, it's interesting because I've noticed in this, at, at least in this first episode, it, in TNG, it was very clear the difference between Romulans and Vulcans. Like not just Romulans... the shoulder pads and haircuts either. Like they had bigger <laughs> <No>. like <laughs> eyebrow ridges and stuff. Yeah, they had like ridges over their eyebrows, like indentations, like to so just so you could be like they're not Vulcans. Yeah. But even if let's say these two are Vulcans, they're mm-hmm. not very good Vulcans right. because they're very animated and they're right, right, clearly right. emotional. That's the um, only that's the thing that made me that made me think. Yeah, they're definitely Romulan. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I I think that they and and they are. I think mm-hmm. when we get to the scene talking about the interview, mm-hmm. they obviously seem to be personally impacted by the whole mm-hmm. disaster that happened with the Romulan's son going supernova and then the stuff that happens on Mars and how they were personally affected and they came here to I guess live with Picard mm-hmm. and work with him but it's interesting to me I guess and maybe I'm missing a piece of Star Trek history here but like like Earth is just now cool with Romulans living on it like I guess they uh, they're not quite enemies anymore. Yeah, we haven't. Yeah, I guess we haven't. Obviously, we're going to find that out, you know, in the upcoming episodes, because I I mean, is there still a faction that is warlike? Is Mm -hmm. there still I mean, the ones that, you know, the ones that we could save, are they living here, there and everywhere? So, yeah, I think to find to find to find that out, because you also in in the um, like in the um, the the makeup person right before he does the interviews that that person's Bajoran. Yes. So, you know, it's it's so that, you know, they are they now part of the Federation and and things like that. Oh, oh, there was a trill, too. Yep. Right. But but the last we saw of the Bajorans in Deep Space Nine, Mm -hmm. they were not part of the Federation. Right. Exactly. So, you know, are they part of it now? You know, I guess I'm sure we'll learn certain things, certain things we're not going to. But I think the the. We need to know who's in and who's out. Current status of, of the Romulans and all that. Obviously, we know the some are up to no good. Right. <laughs> so, right. Oh, yeah. I mean, but that's always. Hashtag not all Romulans. Uh, 
So we find out the guy that talks to number one is Zaban. Did I say mm-hmm. that right? Because it seems like he says it like really. I think with he a calls him Zaban. Yeah, Zaban. More French like. Yeah, but that could just be like Picard saying it. Oh, right, that right. Way. Good, good point. Yeah. So he's a Romulan, and then a woman named Laris comes out, who's also Romulan, and I assume that they're married. I think they are. That's implied, I think, yeah. here. That definitely seemed like it was. And, you know, she comes out of the house and starts talking to them, and she mentions to Picard that it's a big day and he needs to go get ready. It's kind of like, oh, what's this big day? Well, we follow him and Jabon back into the house, and Jabon's baking food, which he's like, Cutting up like real food, you know, which I mean, obviously they have real grapes for their winery, but it's, it's funny because it's like, they still have a replicator, which they didn't have when Robert was there. And, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's kind of cool that they have both the, you know, that they have real food and then they have the replicator. And I guess it's just a sign of his age, but Picard asked for Earl Grey tea decaf. Yeah. When he asked for decaf, I was like, oh, bunny, why? Right? That's like, that's like somebody asking for Sanka. Like, get out yeah. of here. What are you going to ask for a fish sandwich if nice you, from McDonald's? Like, if you what don't know what Sanka is, just Google it. It's yeah, I know. <laughs> but you, do you know, one of the things when I was, I was just looking at something, do you know that in all of the episodes of Next Generation, he only ordered tea Earl Grey hot like seven times, they said. Can you believe that? I think it was a lot more than I that. I know. It's, you know what? You I, I did read an article that says you only hear him say that yeah. X amount of times. But you do often see him drinking a hot tea looking beverage. Yes. Um, and I think there's been, was a couple times where he just mentioned Earl Grey tea, but not, you know, ordering mm-hmm. Earl Grey hot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but we find out from Jabon that there is an interview because he's talking about we, you know, like using the royal we <laughs> about things about are mm-hmm. we ready? And Picard is just like, are you getting interviewed too today? <laughs> <laughs> we cut to after Picard's gotten ready, he comes downstairs, he's looking very dapper in this uh, suit he's wearing and he's talking about how the knot of his tie is terrible so Laris goes and she helps him with his tie you know one of those uh, pep talk tie fixings that they have <laughs> one of those sort of tropey things and I realize after watching it so many times that there are several things that are tropey but it doesn't bother me does that make sense yeah like we're gonna there's a scene coming up um, it's very tropey, but to be quite frank, uh, Star Trek is yeah. known for its tropes. Yeah. So, and it's almost um, it like bother me. It's almost either. like it, they're using like cliches and tropes from other things, and not just the regular Star Trek stuff. But it ha- almost has to have a little bit of that to be Star Trek. Yeah, I, I agree. Find out they made a deal with the interviewers and stuff for to not ask Picard why he left Starfleet. Um, so we know that they're going to talk to him about something else. Yeah, and I like how, like, with the little scene with Laris and Zavon where, she, you know, she says, you know, they may have forgotten about what you yeah. did, you know, and then we don't. And yeah. he was like, you know, be the, uh, when he said be the captain, they remember, I got, like, chills. I'm yeah. like, Ugh. Oh, yeah. Before we get into the interview, Joe, you caught mm-hmm. this Easter egg here when Laris, just before Laris fixes his tie, uh, there's something hanging on the hat rack. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there. I was watching it again this morning, and uh, I'm like, hey, that looks like a fedora. And I, like, paused it. And when, when, so when he's – when you see his reflection in the mirror, 
there's a there's like a, a yellow fedora with a black stripe on it. And then like where he's standing when he's standing there, it almost looks like it's on the on his head mm-hmm. in in the in the how it looks in the mirror, which is I mean, that's a clear like Dixon Hill mm-hmm. to me, fedora. That's exactly what he wore in the show. Yeah. I I I saw the image that you sent us and I I have the episode playing on silent as we're recording. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's absolutely a Dixon Hill hat. Yeah. 100% a Dixon Hill fedora. And I love that he keeps it there on the, yes. on the hat. Yes. Yes. It's great. And I love that you saw that and picked it out. And that also that other people didn't see it, apparently. <laughs> you know me. I, I got to bring, bring something. I got to bring something <laughs> magical. Come on. <laughs> You mean besides just your wonderful personality? Yeah, just besides myself. Okay. I, got, I got a, I love, you know, Rebecca, you know me with trivia and stuff True. like that. Yes. Oh, <laughs> king of trivia. <laughs> uh, they go into the, the next room over into the study or wherever, and there's, the crew is all set up to do this interview. We find out it's the 10th anniversary of, 10th anniversary of the Romulan supernova thing with the whole thing with Mars and everything and all of these uh, people got killed unfortunately because of it the interviewer like it's kind of interesting like you see them doing her makeup and stuff and they're using like some sort of electronic thing so they're not actually putting makeup on her like they use drones for the cameras you know and they have like holographic keyboards and that kind of thing so it's really it's cool that it's like futuristic kind of things you know they're still going on with more futuristic stuff in that how far ahead they would be 20 years after the last time we saw these particular people. Mm-hmm. So I enjoyed that. But <clears throat> so the interviewer, um, I believe the uh, closed captioning called her Richter. <laughs> her last name. I didn't catch what her actual full name was, but uh, she starts sort of giving him softball questions at first, you know, Oh, how, how do you feel about this day? How's the blah, 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 you know? And then she just like goes right in there and like sticks a knife in him and is just <laughs> asking about, oh, why'd you leave Starfleet? Weren't you unsatisfied? Were you mad? You know, it's like, whoa, yeah. lady. Like, like here, here's the moment where I was like, okay, like who didn't see this coming, right? Because yes. Picard says to, to um, Jabon, like, oh, are you sure you went over the terms? Oh, yes, I checked it three times. There, She's not going to ask you about why you left Starfleet. So mm. I'm watching this of for course, the first yeah. time, like, She's totally going to ask him why he left Starfleet because that's the that's the way that this trope works, mm-hmm, um, and it it did it happened that way, and I was like, okay, that's that's fine. It's Star it's Star Trek. It's going to get tropey here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think what's interesting in this whole exchange, I think to me, what really stood out was when they were talking. I, I mean, th- this this whole scene is like pure exposition to catch us up to date yes. of what what really you know this is like exposition Susie telling us everything that happened mm-hmm. between Nemesis and today yep. and so it's like okay thank you so much and so you know the idea that uh, you know they were trying to rescue all these Romulans and then these synthetics which I know we'll, we'll talk more about uh, destroyed Mars um, and then Picard basically quit Starfleet or uh, in protest by saying, you know, we pulled out of the rescue mission. That was wrong of us. We shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be a part of an organization that does it, blah, 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 blah. 
But then she um, says, oh, you know, you were doing this big rescue mission, a huge undertaking, like building the pyramids. Mm -hmm. And he says, well, that's not really a great analogy because the pyramids were like exercise in vanity. A historical uh, comparison would be Dunkirk. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, us living in 2020 are much closer to the events of Dunkirk Mm -hmm. than Picard will be living in the future. Mm -hmm. So when he says Dunkirk, I went. Oh yeah, he's one hundred percent totally yeah. right. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. And if you've if you've seen the movie Dunkirk, uh, which is an excellent film, um, unless then, yeah, you have you, a lot of anxiety because it's got ticking the whole way through. That's true. It's tick tock yes. the whole way through. It's a little. It was un- really it, good, but it like hard to watch yes. sometimes. I yeah. agree. But then, of course, she has no clue because she's like, yes, Dunkirk, very interesting. Of course. I also yeah. enjoy his work. You know, so <laughs> No, I also love his, his plays. His, like, la- his last concerto was beautiful. <laughs> she has no clue what Dunkirk is about. The she is, and, and to be honest, though, but to be fair, why would she? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. He's the guy who's obsessed with history. Mm. He's the guy who's writing, still in the future, writing about World War II shit. Mm. Why would she know about Dunkirk? Why would anybody know about Dunkirk if it's so far in the future, so far removed from Nazis and World War II? Why would they know what that was? Why would the average person, I guess, you know, could say? But um, uh, this whole scene, besides being important with like exposition, really just goes to show how Picard is still really focused on the past, but not looking towards the future anymore. He's really not looking towards the future in any way. Uh, Yes, I agree. But I also think that it kind of shows how people are today, you know, with uh, the interviewer, because, you know, I think, oh, we have so much. You know, we have so much uh, information now. You know, you saw so, so much access to, to everything that you ought to know what some of these things are. <laughs> like that's also a valid point. Yeah, but, and it happens where, uh, like, I was talking to a coworker the other day that I was watching Narcos, and that it's about Pablo Escobar in the first couple seasons. Sorry to bring that back up, but hey, Netflix, you can come at us. It's great. Um, we we watch you a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to get plugs here, you guys. Trying to get us some free stuff. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, and that he said that he did a paper on Pablo Escobar in college, and uh, other kids in his class didn't know who that was. And I'm oh, like, wow. I was like, uh, that's weird. And and yeah, and it's like he was killed like when they were born, but still, yeah. Like, but geez. it's interesting how. What a difference. I remember growing up and listening to the news and like Pablo Escobar was like the guy to be talked about. Right. Like everybody our age, I think, grew up listening to that that person and what he did and and, or hearing news reports, et cetera. He was such a big part of that time period. And now here we are in 2020 and like people are like, who? And, And yeah, it's interesting, even though even today people have access to information. So it's like. You know, you 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 drop a reference and you have to Google it because you know who who can know every piece of every person's history. But right. um, yeah. But he, in this scene, I think it's interesting uh, when he does reference Dunkirk. Mm-hmm. 
that she has no clue. Mm-hmm. And, and he, he does kind of bring that up again at mm-hmm. the end before he, you know, leaves that he's like, you know, you, you don't, uh, you're not affected by war. You know, you're, you're, you're a stranger to war. You're a stranger to history. You don't pay attention, blah, 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 blah. He says that the hand waves it. And I'm like, yes, that's, that's what people do. I don't necessarily want to get into our politics at the time, but you know, maybe like, white nationalism that kind of thing people some people mm. hand wave but like, sure but but it doesn't ever really go away <laughs> i'm gonna get into something deeper here you can't stay in the past but you have to learn from the past yes you have to walk that line if you live in the past you'll never progress mm-hmm. but if you ignore the past you'll never learn anything yep so but picard is in this moment in this scene i think this scene tells us Picard is living mm-hmm. in the past. Yep. He's obsessed with the past. Mm-hmm. He can't get over it. And, you know, the whole idea of like these synthetics, which they're calling them now, which are basically androids, but like um, synthetics attacked the Utopia Planitia on Mars. They destroyed not only the entire shipbuilding yards, but they also just, of course, then destroyed the the ships that were being built to evacuate Romulus and all these other Romulans. But then to the point that it was so terrible, it ignited the, the, the gaseous atmosphere mm-hmm. on Mars. Ten years later, it's, Mars is still burning. Yep. Yeah. And- uh, I thought that was like, insane like even in the future they have this terrible mm-hmm. disaster they can't stop it uh, uh, it's wild there, there's actually a coal mine in like Pennsylvania yep. is that what yeah. it is that's, yes. still, that's still on fire yep. like 50 years later yeah I um, just saw I just saw a thing about that um, there's great yes. there's great YouTube videos on it mm-hmm. it's it is like there's like four people still living there because yep. they refuse to move but yep. and there's there's heat coming up it's a vein it's a mm-hmm. coal vein the yep. underground that mm-hmm. is it's going to burn for whoever forever knows. pretty yeah, much it's probably it's still burning burn it's probably what, still burning uh, what, in Star Trek Picard yeah <laughs> one of the, one of the things that so when they were just talking about you know this whole thing of exposition is about the Romulan sun is so are, I get apparently they're bringing the the JJ 2009 Star Trek movie that is into this canon now because that's what happened yeah apparent okay <laughs> i have read articles basically saying that the the lines between the jj kelvin verse and this universe are blurred yeah in the sense of there's going to be some because in theory the kelvin verse is it's the same until um until it diverts uh, off. eric eric Banana comes back in time and blows stuff. Blows up Vulcan. Eric Banana. I just thought his name Eric Banana. Uh, I just watched. I just watched that show on PBS. Eric Banana. (laughs) (laughs) Every time I see his name, I just go Eric Banana. Um, But like uh, up until he comes. The worst of the Hulk. The worst of the Hulks. That's all I remember him. Don't even get me started on that movie. There's a lot wrong with that movie. But um, Uh, side note on the Joe McHale show, they had Eric Banana banana bandanas that they gave away if you could email them soon enough or something i don't know if they really did or not i didn't get one but yeah i mean i okay so basically the answer to your question is the lines between the jj verse and and the the prime universe they are blurred because they are referencing stuff that happened in the jj verse and again up until the moment that vulcan gets destroyed 
it's the same universe. Yeah. But that the way that they basically have said it and the way that J.J. Abrams explained it is that basically the Kelvinverse and the Prime Universe run side by side. So everything that happened in the Prime Universe also happened. But when uh, Eric Bana came back in time and blew up Vulcan, that created like an offshoot. Yeah. Alternate universe. So it's different, but it's the same people. But so you, that way both exist. So so that that, that created the uh, the alternate nineteen eighty five like Back to the Future too, right? Yeah, when exactly. They went, when they went back to when they went back to back to the present and that's what I'm picturing the whole time is like the line with the little yeah. offshoot line that looks like a diagram sentence. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> that that's an excellent analogy. That's exactly what it is. So they run mm-hmm. parallel, but. Mm-hmm. The idea that they're talking about the sun, expl- about the supernova, the line is blurred at this point. Mm-hmm. And, so things uh, can come so. back around and be similar. Like things in the future can happen similar, but there was the little detour or whatever. I agree. Yeah, I think that's what we're going to see. Some other, what kind of time? There's somebody that does, because that, it's not back to the future, where it all meets back later. What, what time? It doesn't matter. There's too many I don't know. talk about time travel. Oh, well. If anyone knows, if you remember what it was where it all comes back to the same timeline later, just uh, tweet us or something at the Picard cast. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm crazy and I just thought that that was a thing and it's not. So, so like the interviewer, you know, she's really going at Picard like after like the first question or two. Like I thought maybe she was just going to go straight for him at first. And so then she started asking questions and then she just really went for the jugular. But she's like, oh, 92,000 people died. And it's like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, they were lives that I didn't want. You know, they were they were people's lives. And she's just like, oh, Romulan lives. It's like, why did you even bring up how many people died if you were going to be like, oh, they were Romulans. You know what I liked? It was very Picard because he's like. They were lives, you know, because mm. to him, it's like people are people are people. And then it's, you know, circumstances, it's things that make them bad and that everyone deserves to be able to have. Well, if, if you think about I mean, going back to Next Generation, how many uh, it does some of those stories where they ran into Romulans who were who were trying to be different? You know, the uh, the en- uh, one from the enemy with Jordy and the defector yeah. and you know things like that so he's there you know you can't paint you don't paint anybody with a broad brush i mean Mm -hmm. he did the borg for a bit because you know they kidnapped him and all but but yeah i mean even with like episodes like the defector you know we certainly had a a romulan and an upper level romulan Mm -hmm. not just like you know hi i'm i'm romulan joe and i work in the basement as the janitor no this was like an he was like a an admiral i think or Mm -hmm. yeah he uh he basically defected because he thought you know romulus was going to start a war with the federation he wanted to avoid the loss of life Mm -hmm. um so I think like for her, but I also think this speaks to sort of these universal themes of, uh, you know, casual racism where she's like yes. Romulan lives. Like, it's like, well, why does that mean any less? Why? Yeah. Which is why he corrects her and he says mm-hmm. they were lives, you know? Yeah. So I mean, you know, and I've seen stuff online of people uh, who clearly have never seen uh, one unit of Star Trek in their life. <laughs> Or like, why is Star Trek political now? And how come Star yes. Trek is 
Have now, you never watched a Star Trek? I Have mean, you never watched a minute of Star Trek? It's been political. It's yes. been social. It's been on the pulse of what has been happening in the world around us. If you think this is something new, All I, they know, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> they were that one of the, the the original series. That may have been one of the first shows to go back in time to like kill Hitler type thing. Yeah. Yeah, like, exactly. Well, yeah. And they, uh, you know, like all these people know is that there were Tribbles in the old one and then newer ones, there was Jean-Luc Picard. And then it's like, I don't know. And then, um, uh, some lady and some black guy kind of thing. And yeah, I, the ones yeah, that people those, don't talk these about. These are these are people who are not no. hardcore fans. I don't think, uh, in my opinion, I, like they can't even. I feel like if they don't understand, they can't even be just really casual fans because that's super casual not knowing this. Because almost every episode has some sort of life lesson or yeah. moral dilemma Deeper or whatever. Meaning, that's the moral thing dilemma. Yeah, with Star absolutely. Trek. Yeah. Absolutely. Anyway, yeah, I don't understand people sometimes, but that's why that's why I'm friends with you all because you're <laughs> not like regular people. You're cool people. <laughs> so we see while this is going on, you know, this interview is being broadcast all over the galaxy, uh, which there was a joke here where she says, "Thank you for letting the entire galaxy into your living room or study or whatever." She says, and he goes, he says something about. Oh, it's not as crowded as I thought it would be. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, that's it's that's cute. But Dodge, she's walking down the street in some city. I don't know where she is. She sees Jean-Luc doing his interview. She recognizes him from her visions. And she's just like, oh. And then, you know, you see her sort of like thinking about it and having these memories of these visions and these other memories. And she doesn't know where they're from. And he finishes his interview because he gets aggravated because he felt like Starfleet wasn't Starfleet anymore and so he got up and left the interview and then we just sort of see Dodge kind of like still staring like trying to figure out how she knows this guy and that how to get to him and everything. So then we're back at the vineyard Um, this is where we see the shot from the trailer with Picard outside drinking the wine with the dog. It starts barking because he hears something. It's Dodge. So uh, number one runs up to her and he stops barking. So we know that she's a friendly person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's a good person. Uh, and if you don't understand why that is, then you've never had a dog. She comes up to him and she's just like, I need your help. And then she starts telling him about these guys coming into her apartment and killing her boyfriend and then her killing them and uh, and this whole thing. And instead of him just being like, crazy woman get away from me he looks like he's actually like concerned and he wants that's Picard's thing is he likes to help people and it's probably been so long since he's actually done any of that since he has been living in the past and writing about you know the ancient wars and things (laughs) I just like that they say ancient for like our time period it's funny you know it kind of I think it sort of sparks a little bit of the old Picard in him where he wants to to help her so you know they talk about it you know they decide like to bring her he brings her in the house and they because she's got like a cut on her head and stuff and so uh, Laris and Jabon they treat her like Jabon gets her a blanket Laris fixes her her forehead and I wish we had like that thing that that fixes their skin like that. oh like a, a, a dermal regenerator yes, that would be you. amazing I could not remember what it's called because I cut two fingers Wait, Rebecca, on a knife. Just, you mean you mean a dermal regenerator <laughs> <laughs> I've got one of those right here I built it myself <laughs> I wish <laughs> we're gonna have to let me borrow it because I'm probably gonna have these two cuts on my fingers for my whole life because they keep breaking open anyway 
Those knives, they're dangerous. <laughs> so yeah, they're they they fix her forehead with the with the dermal regenerator. Picard is talking to her and he's giving her, of course, Earl Grey tea. You know, they start talking about her necklace and stuff and she's wearing this necklace that has these two interlocked rings and she takes it off and shows it to him and says that she got it from her dad and you know that's kind of all we really find out about it at this point but it does come back up of course he decides that maybe she should stay and rest and so Lars takes her to a, to a room to to rest then we see Picard wake up and he looks out the window again he sees data painting that we see from one of the trailers and, of course, he goes out there, and this time he is wearing a Starfleet uniform. So him and Data are wearing the, like, second version Starfleet uniforms from TNG. When we saw Data earlier, he was wearing the more, like, Nemesis Deep Space Nine gray on the shoulders outfit. Anyway. Right. Uh, yep. <laughs> uh, so this time they're both wearing the ones, either the, like, two-piece ones, not the not the onesies. Oof. <laughs> and you know they have their whole thing like we see in the in the trailer which they which i i, I checked it today because mm-hmm. i compared it. i'm like they yeah. reshot that because yeah. the one from the trailer data didn't look right the hairline didn't look right yes so yeah, they reshot like... it and it is like the data we know yeah, because yeah, I was wondering. I was, yeah. uh, I was wondering if they redid it, but I didn't look into it to see that. But yeah, so it's the same. You know, the same scene, obviously shot at a different time. He's painting, and you see this woman on a beach with a hood and stuff. And he asks Picard to finish it, and Picard says he doesn't know how and all this stuff. And he wakes up, and he's at his desk, and he's fallen asleep in his study at his desk. And behind him is that painting, but the woman isn't facing us. So we just see her the side of her hood. She's looking out into the ocean. Lars comes in and says that that Dodge is gone. She says, "Your woman has is gone or something." And I think that's hilarious. <laughs> well, I think she says, "Um, the girl is gone." She and, says, "Woman," and, then, and that's <laughs> she says, "Woman," because I'm like, "She does." Oh, that's yes! so funny. That's but, why I thought it was she, so hilarious. I love that she said the dog was in her bed. Yes. But she was, but she was gone. gone. And I was like, oh, number one, just like hopped in the bed. Yeah, but well, because Picard fell asleep at his desk. So, you know. Yeah, he's, he's like, needed to find some place to sleep. Yeah, he's like, I'll go, I'll go hang out with her. Um, yeah, so Laura said she got up at 5 a.m. and Dodge was already gone by then. Uh, they didn't see her on any of the security cameras. They didn't see her leave. And they also didn't see her hanging out anywhere on the property. So it's just kind of like, ooh, weird. And then Picard is like, you know, he's thinking about that picture. And he's thinking about the stuff they're telling him. And he's like, I need to go somewhere. So we find out that Picard goes to San Francisco. And we know this because there's the Golden Gate Bridge is still there somehow. (laughs) All right. That's awesome. Yeah, they've taken good care of it. He goes to Starfleet Archives. That's what appears on the screen. It's do they really in- need a bridge? Do they need a bridge anymore? I mean, because everything is everything's flying. I like, don't know. Sh- it had- shuttles. When you saw that that Boston is everything's floating. Like, right? do you need yeah. a bridge? I mean, it had solar panels on it, so maybe they had. Oh, created- it did. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, maybe they had created solar roads at one point in time, and then they had flying stuff. So then they just kept it because it was keeping the city. Oh, mm, that's smart. And I think too, like at that point. They're it's probably just preserving it because it's a landmark. Yeah. It's famous. Yeah. And and they've always had it in Star Trek that, like, when they're mm-hmm. in San Francisco, Starfleet Academy, you always see the Golden Gate Bridge. Mm-hmm. He has gone to the Quantum Archives, is what they call it. And we see another shot from the trailer where he's walking down a hall with this woman 
who we find out is the index of the archive. So she's like a hologram. Um, and he asks if anybody's been there, if, if anybody's ever to, to, you know, able to get into his room, his uh, archive room. And she says, not unless you want to sell tickets. <laughs> and he's like, uh, like what's that, is that a joke? So, you know, so she tells a joke and she says it's something she's trying. And he's just like, don't quit your day job. So that, for me, that was the like, uh don't quit your day job. I, you know, like that was the one that kind of annoyed me. But it, it's like, it's, it's very Star Trek, I feel like, for a non-living being to make a joke. Yeah. Oh, try yeah, to make a joke. Data tried it all the time. Yeah. You know, Data always tried it. And <laughs> so she uh, walks with him to a certain point, And then when it's time for him to go into his room, she, you know, she has to leave him for privacy reasons. But if he needs her, he can call upon her and she'll show up, which he does once he's in here. But uh, I said, we see uh, Picard's stash is what I called it. <laughs> And he's got, like, uh, some of those models he had. We see a battleith, which I don't think I spelt it right. I know it's got apostrophes, but that's okay. You all don't have to see it. But my friends, two friends here, have to see. <laughs> um, and the Picard Day sign is hanging up in there. Okay, I legit got a tear in my eye right? when I saw that the P- Captain Picard Day banner was still yes. was hanging up. It's actually in his, hanging like, up. It's not like archives. rolled up in an in a no, door or something. It is displayed. That uh, I legit was like, he still has the pattern. Like I just got. I still, I still love in the in the original episode at the end that 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 female admiral goes Captain Picard Day. He says, "I'm a role model. Indeed, you are." <laughs> Straight face. Well, I also. Uh, I'm sorry, Joe. Go ahead. Just totally, she does just totally deadpan. Indeed, you are. <laughs> that's a great. Um, that's also a great scene in that episode where uh, Jonathan Frakes oh. as uh, Commander Riker impersonates him, <laughs> where he's as a little doll and he's like, "What do you think, number one?" And he's like, "I'll be on the bridge." <laughs> what a great little humorous yes. moment. That's also a really good episode. And, it is. Uh, which the the Captain Picard Day stuff has nothing to do with the episode, but like no. the episode itself is an excellent episode. Mm-hmm. But um, th- this room has like all the Easter eggs, mm-hmm. right? This is where the majority of them are, right? And so, some of the stuff that they had, like at San Diego Comic Con, in that place that you could look at, was in that room. Yeah, because they had like the the banner and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know. Not all of it that we saw there, but yeah. So here's the list of everything that was in there. I'm sure you guys already know, but I've got a list here from the same uh, article from Hollywood Reporter. Um, so we've got the Batleth and the Klingon ceremonial dagger that was in the episode Sins of the Father. Uh, Picard's uh, Book of Shakespeare from his ready room. A detailed ship model of Enterprise E. A model of the E's captain's yacht named the Cousteau, which was seen in Insurrection. That's Picard's personal shuttle. The Captain Picard Day banner, of course, from the episode The Pegasus. A model of the USS Stargazer, which is Picard's first command. So uh, lots of Easter eggs in that room specifically. And then, of course, we 
painting, which is what he came there to to find, um, which was the other, which was, we find out from the index that it's a set of two. That one and then the one in his study. Who's hosting this that, episode? Of course, you or me? No, I'm kidding. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Well, they're also going going back to this stuff. Apparently, there's two more. There's other things that I don't know if it got edited out, but I, I can send you. There's like screenshots because it wasn't in this episode. Yes. But yes, send us that stuff. There's uh there's a uh, there's like a trophy from uh, from Beta Z to him about mm-hmm. Beta Z loyalty um, from 2350, and there's one that's from the children of Jama. Thanking Jean Luc Picard, he was my companion through adventure and hardship in twenty three fifty five. I don't know what those are all about, but um, mm. I will I will find them and I'll send them over to you. Yes, awesome. I was going to go on to say that uh, he punches in a keypad and it brings up an artifact, and we find out it is the sister painting to the one that he has in his study, but this one has a face. And in my notes and on the type notes, I wrote. It's Dodge, like capital letters, because you see this face, and there's no mistaking that that's Isabriona's face. <laughs> he calls up the index, so that's how we know that so she can, ju- you know, she'll pop back up. And he asks if anybody's been there, if they've done any maintenance, nothing. So he needs to know how someone got her face from this painting, because he's already got it in his mind that she's probably some sort of synthetic. And every time I hear them say synthetic life form or, you know, or say it myself talking about this, I think of Westworld. <laughs> like how they make them on there, if you've ever. Also a good show. <laughs> he asks for information about the painting, you know, just to make sure. And Index says that Data painted it around 2369. And it's entitled Daughter. Bum, bum, bum. After this is when we see Dodge in Paris because she's run away, so she's still in France. She calls her mom on her her video FaceTime Skype hologram thing, and she's like, somebody's trying to kill me. I think they're still after me. I don't, I don't know what to do. And her mom's like, you need to go to a safe place. She goes, I was, but I didn't want to, I didn't, you know, want anything to happen to them and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, you need to go back to Picard. And, of course, another one of those tropes where it's like someone says, well, you need a blah, 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 and it's something they shouldn't know about. So the mom, mm-hmm. and so she's like, no, you told me. And Dodge is like, mm, no, I didn't. <laughs> so then it's kind of like, what's happening? And then the mom takes on, like, takes on this voice, and she's like, you need help from Picard. He will help you. She's talking in this sort of voice. She's like, find him. You can do it. Just think. You know, that kind of thing. And so then it does this whole thing. Like, I guess it just runs through her mind, her positronic brain that she probably has now that we figured out she's probably is an android of some sort. And she starts flipping through all of her, like, internet pages, basically, and doing all this stuff and typing in all these things really fast to find him. Just like how Data used to do. Remember how yep. Data would do things super fast? It was just yep. like that. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, except for except for it was the hologram instead of, like, most of the time it was, like, the desk computers. So now here's a question for you. Now this this will come up in a little bit. Um, again, when Picard and Dodge are having their conversation at outside Starfleet headquarters. Mm-hmm. So this woman that Dodge calls, that is her mother or the person that she knows as her mother, mm-hmm. is she really her mother? Is she, Or is she part of 
the conspiracy to keep her from knowing who she is. I think she's a program. Like, she's not even a person. She's just a program. Yeah, because these I, memories that's... have been implanted in her brain. Yeah, that, that's funny. I think, mm. I, I think the same thing. I think that's... Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you don't think she's a real person somewhere? No, I don't. No, because, you think that she's because, a program. Because the, the, the mother wouldn't... The mother, quote-unquote mother, wouldn't know anything about her seeing Picard. There has to be something from inside her... From inside her her, okay. Her positronic yeah, brain yeah. or whatever. So, you know. Yeah, it's... like she's got something running. Either there's a program that runs somewhere else that knows what's in her brain or it's something in her brain to make her think that this is almost she's... like in a movie where someone has like a delusion. Yes, 100%. But it's okay. like, it's it's actual, like, this code that's running in her head, but she doesn't know that that's in her head because she still doesn't really know that she's part computer or all computer or anything, you know? She has no idea. Mm-hmm. So it's off on the side doing all this stuff and talking to her, and she just assumes that it's really her mother because she has all these memories that have been implanted of this quote-unquote woman who never probably existed. Mm. Okay. Um, Dosh has found Picard and we see her come up to him outside the archives when he exits and you know he asks how she's there how she find, and you know and she's just like trying to talk to him and then he says what he's been thinking that she is synthetic and she's just like no I was born in Seattle that's the only thing she knows she was born in Seattle like her dad was a xenobiologist and he made orchids and her mother was that lady she was Skyping with, you know? And some of it's sort of like mm. facts. Because it's like Data could recite facts of things that happened, you know? Uh, when he didn't have any kind of emotions or anything. And it didn't necessarily mean that it was something that he was there for. He could have had things, in pl- you know? Well, I, I also think the this, uh, the scene where she's like basically recounting her, her memories and she says that her father mm-hmm. created a new species of orchid by grafting... Yeah one orchid to another and it didn't it didn't seem like it would work and then it did mm-hmm. and so he named the, the orchid after her i think when you watch the whole episode and think back on this mm-hmm. conversation it's definitely a clue to the idea that um a certain somebody who's about to be name dropped um yeah. <laughs> did exactly just that yeah uh, grafted a piece of data like- into a new android body and i also think Oh shoot! I lost my train of thought. Forget it. <laughs> It'll come back. What? No. Note to self. <laughs> January twenty sixth, twenty fifth. Rebecca Joe lost is in train the future. Joe is a oh, day ahead of us day, somehow. I don't know how he got from Virginia to like Australia all of a sudden? Yes. But you know. Oh heavens! It's like somehow, somehow Joe has made it to every day, Joe. before we have in our list here. they're talking and he's like listen i think he's basically telling her without specifically saying that he thinks that she's part of that data's part of her but he's he's trying to tell her that she probably came from some part of data that he was uh brave and courageous and he gave his life for picard and all that kind of stuff and and she needs to be that way now uh she hears something of course we don't she's got sonic hearing now she is attuned to her sonic hearing now she's probably always had it but you know now she 
realizes she has it. Uh, so they get up and they run and they go up all these stairs. And I love that it's like they didn't do a bunch of takes so that they could just show Patrick Stewart like running upstairs as an old man and be like, oh yeah, he still got it. Like he was breathing hard at times and like hanging onto the rail. And I'm like, yes, because he is older. And Picard has not oh, been, yeah. he's been, you know, holed up in his house writing books for years. So he hasn't been out doing things. Mm-hmm. I mean, isn't in the show like Picard, his character, it is supposed to be 90. It's like 90 or 91 years old. So that that is. Yeah. So when Patrick Stewart started playing the role, he was 47. Yes. But Picard is, I think, 58. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. In real life, um, Sir Patrick Stewart is, I think, 70 something. So in real life, I think he's he's actually 79, right? Yeah, so in in real life, or excuse me, in the show, Picard is ninety, I believe. Wow. So I I do agree with you, Joe. I actually really appreciated that that touch of like him struggling to walk up the stairs <laughs> and being like, wait, <laughs> because yeah. he is quite elderly and he's not the same man he used to be. And I think that how how ridiculous would it be? If, if they did all those quick cut scenes like they do in every Liam Neeson movie, uh, making it look like Liam Neeson, who's like 8,000 years old, can still <laughs> fight like a 22-year-old. Mm-hmm. Like, it's ridiculous. I mean, if, if they had done that here, I, I would have I would have rolled my eyes so hard and been so annoyed by that. But this is so realistic. And I really appreciated that. I think if they had have done that here, I would have been like, okay. But it wouldn't have been as noticeable as the fact that they did uh, make him realistic. Because we're so used to people not being realistic. Like you said, Liam Neeson being a thousand years old. Like, Liam Neeson (laughs) is somehow not as old as Patrick Stewart or Jean-Luc Picard, but he's still a thousand years old. Yeah. Just because he's been in that many Taken movies. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) This is where we have the scene of her on the rooftop fighting these guys they show up and she is kicking butt and i say that because i'm not gonna phaser myself out like i'm gonna have to do you two already (laughs) (laughs) i forgot (laughs) i like it i think it's funny um (laughs) and you know she's she's taking down these guys she makes picard hide behind a bench and it's like i'm pretty sure from what i remember i haven't gone back and watched the trailers in a long time but they must have cut out anything that had him in it from this scene because they had a lot of this scene over the two trailers. Mm-hmm. You know, her fighting on the stairs, like Rebecca was talking about earlier about her doing the choreography on the stairs and stuff. Like it was, it was intense. And now knowing that she did a lot of that, that's really cool. You know, uh, we see one of the guys loses his helmet. Oh, the Romulan. We see another guy lose his helmet while they're on the stairs and he spits up this green stuff and it starts like sizzling on him and then he spit and he spits it out at Dodge and it starts sizzling on her, which is we saw her with damage on her face in one of the trailers. And this is toxic acid. Is this something that's inside of Romulans that I just don't know about or <laughs> What is now, this? So, the thing the thing I read is he he bit down on some okay. type yeah. of uh, cyanide, you know, whatever like a cyanide pill cap yeah. and then like spit it at her. Which because okay. I'm I'm not gonna lie, the first time I saw this, I thought he just spit acid at her. Right, mm-hmm. me too. And I, like 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 from a venom sack, and I was like, 
what is this? Like, <laughs> I was have like... they genetically engineered themselves? <laughs> like, is this another layer to this show? But then I, I talked about it with a friend of mine, and he said, if you watch it again, right before he spits it at her, you can see him chew down on something, like okay. chomp down on a pill. And and I said, okay, I went back and I watched it, and sure enough, you do see him chomp down and then spit out this green mm-hmm. stuff. But it's it's definitely got to be like a suicide type thing because mm-hmm. it killed him yeah like it, it it messed up his face yeah he spits it at her now here's my question to you guys because mm-hmm. i genuinely don't know the answer to this uh, although i kind of i think you can make an argument for either way does dodge actually die here in this in that the, that thing we saw the gun explode and um she was definitely suffering from some kind of effect and then the the gun explodes and we're to believe that she's dead. But we also saw in the same scene a guy fall off the stairs and get beamed away before he hits the bottom. Mm-hmm. Is it possible that this was a coordinated effort to kidnap her? She is oh. still alive and that the explosion and all that is a distraction to make Picard think she's dead. And she has been beamed away somewhere else. Do you think Dodge is dead or do you think we'll see her again? And I, I'm I'm I don't really have an opinion. I could be convinced either way. And I don't know if you guys are like 100 percent convinced on one way. I, or the other. I, I think 100 percent she's alive. I can't I I can't imagine them introducing this character and the bond she has with Picard and immediately she's dead. I, I'd be shocked if that's mm. what ends up happening. OK, OK. I thought she was dead, and I'm like, how are they, what? You know, I didn't even think about that she might have been, like, whisked away or something. And then we get to the end, where I'm going to skip ahead a second, and we see Soji, who is Isa Briones, and it's like, if she's her clone, twin, whatever, then, like, she would probably know Picard, too, eventually, you know, somewhere it would be in her brain, too. Well, and, but yeah, she's I didn't talking- think about but she's – yeah, and she – at the end of that, she, so she's talking that she has a sister. Yeah. Whereas yeah. Who Dodge is that does, does not have a yeah. – you know, she, she doesn't know that she has a sister. So – Yeah, well, so we'll – Yeah, that, that. <laughs> yeah, when, yeah when, when we get to that, we'll definitely talk about that more. That to me was very strange mm-hmm. um, or uh, another another mystery to be unraveled. But yeah, like this whole scene – I thought this whole action piece scene was excellent. Mm-hmm. I, I and we saw some some of this in the trailers, and we saw them. You know, we saw her kicking people, and we saw people mm-hmm. falling off the stairs and being beamed away. Yeah, uh, I like the reveal that these are Romulans. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. Um, I mean, they definitely. And, and the other thing that kind of now makes me think that she's not dead. Also, is that when they were after her in Boston, they weren't trying to kill her. Oh, they were trying to kidnap her. Mm-hmm. Like. It was never like, let's take her down. You know, it was let's take her with us because yeah. we're going to interrogate her or study her or whatever they were going to do to her. Right. I'm kind of leaning towards Joe that uh, maybe this was an elaborate ruse yeah. to convince Picard because who came and cleaned up all those soldiers, right? Because in the next scene – the, uh, they tell Picard that uh, Laris and Shaban tell him that oh you were alone yeah. on that rooftop. Yeah. Well, who 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 came and cleaned up the the bodies that she that she kicked around? Like who 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 got those guys? Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, it was weird that he. It was weird that he woke he woke up with them and not in some 
you know, hospital thing right there. Why wasn't he in there. a hospital? Right. That to me was odd too. I was like, shouldn't he be like in a hospital? Like this guy is 90 and he was just blown back by an explosion. You don't think maybe he should be, I don't know, monitored for a minute? Like that's odd. But uh, I, this to me is just adding to the mystery. I, I don't think I, I'm going to say it. I'm going to call it now. I don't think Dodge is actually dead. Okay. That's what I, that's I'm sticking to it. If I'm wrong, I'll eat crow, but I think that she's not dead. I mean, you have convinced me because I didn't even think about that. Like you said, Picard wakes up at home and Laris and Javon are uh, doting over him. They say that the police found him, which I was like, I thought they like got rid of hunger and crime and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, obviously they didn't. Uh, oh, well, maybe she was cloaked. That's what they figure out is why they couldn't see her. Uh, why? You know, they didn't see her on any videos or anything. And, well, maybe, I mean, if since they were Romulans, they probably had some sort of cloaking device so nobody could see them either. And, like you said, you know, they zapped that one guy out of there. They probably zapped their dead people out of there, too. Mm. Yeah, like, they would have had to have, like, taken her, too, I guess. Man, that's crazy. Yeah, I, I didn't even I think, think about it, that. It was, I think it was all an elaborate setup. Yeah. I think in the moment that they... Listen, in, in Star Trek, people can be burned, like, with second-degree burns, and they can still be saved and recovered without with, – with minimal to no scarring. Mm. So, I mean, even if that thing was burning her – and she is an android, mm-hmm. I mean – uh, we've seen Data be damaged and he was able to repair himself because mm-hmm. it's synthetic material. So, I mean, I don't know. I think I think she's still alive. I'm calling it. I think yeah. she will re- I think she will return. I think we'll see Issa Briones here in a, in a dual role. Yeah. yeah, I do. I really Actually, do. Actually, I think it might be uh, more mm, multiple roles. Oh. But we'll, I'll talk about that later. Okay. Uh, I'll talk about that later. Uh, yeah, so, you know, Picard realizes that he has been living in the past, and he's just been sitting around waiting to die, and he's going to go and do something because Dodge came to him for help, and he's going to figure out what's going on because there's something way bigger going on here. And so he's like, I got to go. <laughs> and they don't stop him. They just let him leave. So this is where we find... Uh, we see the Daystrom Institute where Dodge got accepted into, and it's in Okinawa, Japan. Uh, we and here is also where we meet Agnes Girardi, Doctor Agnes Girardi. <laughs> she, you know, she, her, and Picard say their hellos, and then he's just like, "So, can you make a synthetic person out of flesh and bone?" <laughs> like, all that the, like, was like great. And she was like, "No, really, what no." Do you want? <laughs> yeah. And she just stares at him for a second and realizes he's serious, and she's just like, "No." And so then they go into, they keep talking about it because he wants her to explain to him the whole thing. Oh, I forgot to mention, you know, when they show Okinawa, it's one of the the cities that we saw in one of the trailers where we were trying to speculate where it was. We, I know Rebecca and I thought was pretty sure it was Earth because it looked like like an Earth ocean and cliffside and stuff. So we were right. It's Earth. Yes, it was. <laughs> um, I think I said it was also California, so I was on the wrong coast, right ocean. Uh <laughs> I will give you half a point for that one. Thank you. I I wasn't expecting any points. Thanks. Uh, (laughs) So when they go in, they go into this office and it's really hilarious to me because, you know, they've got like door handles, but she puts her hand up to the door to do the like unlock thing and then the door opens. So it's not like they have to use the hand. Anyway, they go in and it's 
like a lab that's nearly empty. There's lots of desks and stuff, but there's hardly anyone there. Um, and they, and he says something about it being a ghost town, and she says yes. She gives us some exposition that they shut down any of their actual making of synthetic individuals and all they can do now is theoretical research and that kind of thing and that it's a whole like galaxy-wide kind of thing because of what happened with mars with these rogue synthetics you know well and she she says that the synthetics came from that yes the ones that did that that went rogue came specifically from there so they came from that lab and then we still don't know why right. they even did it. Like, I, I think yeah. we'll find that out yeah, this yeah. season, though. Like, I think that'll be definitely uh, explained. But, yeah, like, so, yeah, it makes sense that Starfleet would basically be like, yeah, you can't make any more robots. <laughs> yeah, and it's amazing that they even let them still do any kind of research or anything since they came from that lab. But she said that, like, she had been in Starfleet. And we find out because she said someone named Bruce Maddox uh, recruited her from Starfleet to come and work with him to build, to do this. Apparently he was on the right track to, to kind of getting more like data like androids, but she thinks it would have been like a thousand years before you could actually have one that was sentient. And I'm like, Agnes, have you seen Measure of a Man? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I also would like to know, do you think that when he recruited her out of Starfleet, do you think he just showed up and creepily walked around her and <laughs> stared at her until she was like, just yes? Walked, just walked right into her place without even ringing the bell? Yeah. And like, I was like, you're being reassigned. You don't have a choice. <laughs> she, she, she was like, I didn't know you like me. I don't like or dislike it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Did, did, did you guys get excited when she dropped Bruce Maddox's name? Oh, hundred, oh yeah. I was like, ooh! <laughs> Bruce do, Maddox. do we get, because it says, you know, he disappeared after the band. Oh, he's going to show up. Do we get, oh, do we get yes. Maddox? 100%. Anytime any character in any show or movie ever says can, they disappeared after this event, they are 100% coming back. Can he be just as creepy? <laughs> I think... I think it would be hilarious if he was like old man prospector <laughs> Maddox and was like, what are you doing on my property? He was like, like a Unabomber or something. I don't think that's working. <laughs> oh my God. Oh. Oh, so funny. Um. I think I'm 100% getting Bruce Maddox okay. at some point okay. in this series. I do. Gosh, creepy. Like, I wonder, maybe he scrapes something off of data or something to have this like where did he get like these because she says something like you could it's possible <laughs> that you could use like one of his neural atoms or something to make this neural net well, i mean here's here's the thing right after measure of a man bruce maddox hmm. is referenced and we do know that in the oh. episode data's day yeah, they, they say in data contact. and bruce have right they do stay in contact we know that to the point that Data would, yep. like, write him letters about, like, an mm-hmm. average day. I forgot about so that. So how do we know that at some point uh, Data did not give Bruce one of his neural nets, one of his neural uh, atoms or whatever they are? Like, how do we not know that he didn't do that at some point well, to say, hey, look, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Well, here's here's the thing. So when they when they talk about the necklace, and she says, you know, it's a symbol oh, yes. for fractal neuronic cloning, which was a theory of Maddox's that says that Data's entire code, even his memories, could be reconstituted from a single positronic neuron. Well. I, they pretty much have that with B4 sitting in the drawer there. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So I so I don't know if by the end of this show we get data back in some capacity or, yeah. or what. But well, uh, what threw me off was this when he when she said that data tried to you know download his his neural net into B4s or mm-hmm. his whatever into B4, and that it was it was it was mostly unsuccessful. It was most of it was lost, mm-hmm. and I was like, I don't understand how that's possible. B4, because we're not talking about processing or using the information right. at that point. B4 is like a giant USB right. drive. Like he's he's he's, he's like a thumb USB drive. USB like, drive. He just USB. Oh my God! I love you so much. Oh my gosh! Thank you for that. That's that's amazing. <laughs> that oh, is I, amazing. I wish I had thought of it, but I'm glad that you did. Um, <laughs> but like, he's it's just, been a great like, evening, everybody. Thank you. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Um, but like that—that's the thing, right? He's just a storage unit yeah. at that point. Like, why would it not have worked? What, that doesn't make sense to me. I, I don't know well, if that's a hundred percent true. It, it may not be told. true, but it may also be true because remember, in Nemesis, Shinzon and <laughs> look at that, and his group apparently reworked him so that they could use him as bait. Well, they don't really know what they're doing because. Uh, even though they built like a whole huge ship in secret, anyway, with lots of advanced technology. But anyway, I still don't think that they would be advanced would have been advanced enough to mess with B four and not make him even worse. Like he probably was wasn't as stupid as he was like before that. No pun intended. But mm. saying before, um, you know, like does that make sense? Like, yeah, it's like no, they I, messed I, with I, him, I, and that that's what made. Saying. That's what made him really, really simple because Lore wasn't like that. Lore was right, very also, advanced too. But yeah, but I mean, B four in the in the worst, laziest writing of all time yes. is was made before Data and Lore. Well, yeah, and he is like. I mean, it's it's kind of like you know, it's kind of like I'm trying uh, to 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 come up with some sort of good retcon for that sad, <laughs> sad movie. <laughs> I don't know if you can do it though. <laughs> like, but I mean, it's it's almost like you know Windows Five versus Windows Ten. You know, <laughs> what I mean, it, you, Windows Five is never going to perform the way Windows Ten does because it's different. It, it's a more advanced technology. I I don't know. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. I don't really know. But I I just find it hard to believe that. Like, why couldn't he just hold up? He didn't have to understand or process or use the information. But how come it wasn't stored? Like, mm-hmm. did someone forget to hit was, save? But what, I don't they... remember. Did they talk when they talked about before? Was was his was his positronic matrix uh, like a an earlier version mm-hmm. or uh, it like a was prototype one? So it was an earlier version. And when Data tried to when Data downloaded his positronic uh, net into B four, it was with the hope that basically what it would do is they would almost like that B4 would be data 2.0, that he would just become another data with the same uh, capabilities and the same personality and the same everything. But that didn't happen that way. B4 stayed B4. But we did see at the end of Nemesis, B4 
was singing that song that Data sang at, mm-hmm. at Riker and Troy's wedding. So it's like, it's, it's certainly implied that Data's in there. Mm-hmm. And now they're saying, oh, it, most of it didn't work. Like, it's it basically, it was most of it was lost. And I'm just like, what I don't if, understand how that happened. But What if, you know, like somehow it's like locked in there and they couldn't figure out where it was. But then around the time that they shut everything down, he found it and he took it with him. There's that. He could have... And how do we know? How does she know that it didn't work? Is mm-hmm. did Maddox tell yeah. her? Oh, it didn't work. But but and, and by the way, don't ever look in that drawer again because I've totally taken it and it's not, I have it at home. Yeah, don't so that's what I don't use it for. crack open his head. <laughs> You'll see yeah. his chip is yeah. missing. Just totally trust me that it didn't work. You don't have to check it for yourself. No, like, there was never you know, a chip I mean, there. <laughs> yeah, if if it's Maddox telling her that, is it because Maddox basically was like, I'm totally. Tote's going to reproduce data. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, he's a, a creep. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like this discussion about this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, you know, he, like, Joe brought up about the necklace. He shows it to her. And Agnes is like, I wish you'd come on my day off because by this time she's just <laughs> tired with him and does not want to talk to him. was wishing she didn't even have to talk to him. Um, and that's kind of funny. Yeah, so we find out that they're cloned in pairs. When we find out, like I said before, Soji, who has a sister and looks just like Dodge, but she knows she has a sister. They come in pairs, but what if there were multiple pairs made of her? So you're saying that the Romulans that came to kidnap her in the beginning said, where are the rest of you? Not just mm-hmm. one other person. Yeah. Where's Multiple. the other one? Uh, the other ones. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. It's not just <gasps> where's the other one. So it's like a... Oh, what is but that show? But there'd be like... Like, what is that show that was on BBC America? With the Clone Club. What the heck was the name of that show? With Tatiana Maslany. Like that. Like, something like that with a bunch of them. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Um, I'm blanking on the name, but I'll think of it in a minute. I know. I'll but, like, there, there could be, like... There could be, like, three Orphan pairs. Black. Orphan, Orphan Black. Black. Thank you. Yes. Oh, there Thank you, you go. <laughs> like... There could be a bunch of pairs of these mm-hmm. of these clones running around, which means there there could be uh, who, whoever Soshi's sister is could be a different yep. clone. Yep. And then Dodge's other clone could be somebody else. Yep. And there could even be more out there. Mm-hmm. We don't know how many have been made. In one of the, you know, in one of the trailers, we saw all of those synthetic people that look like dudes or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. hey, that's a... So they could have made a lot. Like, there's an episode of the X-Files with all of these, like, clone girls and their names are Eve. The band mm-hmm. Eve 6 got their name from. Anyway, because, you know, they were numbered like that. And it was kind of like, right. so they're these are sort of clones, but they're clones of robots. It's weird how this is going to be. There's so much going on. I honestly did not think that she would have been a full robot. Like, you, Rebecca, were talking about, you thought that maybe she was, like, Hugh's daughter. And it's like, okay, so she could have some Borgie stuff. But, like, I never... And like before watching this the first time, I never was like, "Oh yeah, she's she's an android." Ever right? Well, the idea is that she's an android, but she looks so human-like, right? Well, and and that of they're course, made out of flesh, made out of flesh and blood. So. How that happened, according to Agnes, she's like, oh, that's like 
never going to happen because we're not there yet. Well, clearly we are there yeah. because somebody has done it. Because <laughs> she said that it would be real simple to make the body like that. You just have to figure out how to make the brain. That's the part that they That's, couldn't figure yeah. out how to make them sentient. Yeah. And in all honesty, when you compare Dodge as an android to Data as an android, her emotional capability is leaps and bounds mm-hmm. ahead of his mm-hmm. you know even with the emotion chip when data had the emotion chip mm-hmm. he is still was some reserve still was very data android like mm-hmm. with her she's so human looking and acting that you believe that she's human you would never question and say are you an android it's like blade runner they don't Right. Know that they're replicants or whatever. Right. That kind of thing. Spoilers for an old so movie and an even older really movie, old movie. For two movies. Yeah, exactly. Spoilers for Blade Runner. Came whenever out, came out whenever you have a movie that is so old that the future in that movie we're living in now in that year, you, you can just disregard all that. But, you know, I never saw the, the one that just came out a couple years ago or whatever, so I haven't seen that one. But uh, If you start watching it now, it'll be done by the next episode, too. Of this, it was like isn't it like it's four so hours? Long, it's mad long. I mean, I watched I watched the director's cut of the original Blade Runner, and I'm like, I'm never watching that again. <laughs> yeah, that's very long as well. So the last scene is where we meet Soji. We see the necklace morphs into like some spacey nebulas rings or something, and then we see like a Romulan like warbird going into like to land in a, a docking bay or something, just to show, oh, look at our beautiful CGI. <laughs> I mean, it was, but because it doesn't have anything to do with what's about to happen. Um, we see a guy walk out. It's Narek, and he's Romulan. He uh, was in Penny Dreadful. Also a show that I like that people should watch if you haven't seen it. I'm just giving everybody all of my shows that I watch <laughs> today. Uh, and Picard, obviously. Watch Picard. Because that's what we're here for. Um, and he's kind of like looking around and he goes, Dr. Asha? And this woman turns around and it's Isa Briones. And I went, oh, sh-. that was pretty much my reaction as well (laughs) so she talks to him so we find out that she has that necklace her father made it she's got a twin she also has one that kind of thing so she knows she has a twin and that plus the romulans in the beginning saying you know we're the rest of you not just where's the other one or whatever you know and they specifically want to know where she came from because they want to get rid of all of them that there's multiples also something that came up that probably going to come back later is that Narek says something about having a brother mm-hmm. but they just lost them they just lost him he just you know and it's like do you I, I feel like the brother died in the supernova yeah. stuff like he acted like it wasn't that long ago but I think that he probably died from that and he knows that she is an android he 100% knows because we've seen in the trailers He's talk he that that character Narek talking to somebody else saying she has no idea right. what she is what she oh, really is right yeah so yeah I forgot and about also that. too when he when he came on screen there was total bad guy music playing yes! so I was like all right yes there was I was just the bad guy because I was like all right you're the bad guy got it <laughs> um, 
But yeah, he's he's obviously after her for nefarious things. Could he be the mastermind behind those those Romulan guards? Maybe. Is he the one that sent them? Maybe. Maybe. I think that's a, a high possibility. Well, ha- or you know, just or at least he's working for the person whoever sent them. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. He's definitely involved. Yes. I think. Yes, yeah. Yes. What his role is, I don't know, but um, well, that will be flushed out, I'm sure. But yeah, yeah, he's definitely a bad guy, and he's definitely knows what she is and he's there to worm his way into her heart by being like oh i'm such a broken boy i hope you can fix me and i'm just like eh, girl right? Teresa, you don't gotta you don't gotta fix a dude but okay i'm so <laughs> mad because she's like stinking android and she's fallen for his bull crap yeah, I know. I know. Sad, sad, sad to see that in the 24th century, <laughs> sad boys are still roping women into trying to fix them. But, you know. <laughs> I mean, sometimes they're not try- even trying to rope you in. Sometimes ladies just want to fix people anyway, whether That's they true. want to be fixed or not. Well, does she Does she know? Does she know what she is? She may not I know what she is. She does. No, I don't think she does either. And I agree no. that where he says that in one of the trailers that she doesn't have any idea that he is talking about her because i feel like dodge and soji are probably going to be the ones we focus on in this series but they're definitely going to be more or have mm. been more well it's it's kind of like these romulans are trying to get rid of them oh i was gonna say it's it's kind of like in, in stranger things with the character 11 where is one through 10 and are there 12 through whatever right <sighs> so you know they stand there you know i guess they're gonna go off and have dinner or whatever they're gonna and it starts to zoom out and so you see more ships and you see machinery going around and lots of people and they're doing stuff and it zooms all the way out and it's a borg cube Ah! it's a borg cube i was like what the (laughs) i had a little blaster on my desk yes I wrote WTF, like, all the words out really big on my notes because I did my hot take sort of thing and was writing just, like, like a quarter of a page of stuff down. I, I knew the Borg were going to be in this, and I knew Romulans were going to be in this, and I knew they were probably going to have something to do with each other, but I didn't expect them to be on a Borg cube right then. Yeah. Yeah, also, too, in the trailers, we saw that Borg cube... And the force fields mm-hmm. around the open parts were not green yep. like the Borg usually are. They were yep. blue, like Federation blue. That was trailer trickery because uh, they were not blue in this. They were green after all. I thought that was kind of cool to keep that as a little bit of a – just kind of throw you off a little bit, make you question what's going on. Yeah, but when I saw that it was a Borg cube, I was like, oh, we're just jumping right into this. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The Romulans are like hand in hand with the Borg here, mm-hmm. and no good will come from this. And right. the, the at, end, at did you? And I, in one of the things I was reading, that uh, as they pan out, that ominous theme mm-hmm. is a reworked theme from the original series Balance of Terror episode, which introduced oh. the Romulans, oh. of which Mark Leonard, you know, Mark Leonard, yes. Sarah was was a Romulan in that. Yep, that. And I remember, yes, because, uh, yes, Mark Leonard, rest in peace, Mark Leonard, um, 
played also the first Romulan. Sarek. Also recipe Sarek, recipe Leonard Nimoy uh, as Mr. Spock. Aww. But yeah, when when they when they first meet up with the Romulans and they can see them, everybody's like, oh, it looks just like Vulcans. And everyone's <laughs> like looking at Spock like, how dare you? Um, like he somehow is responsible for this. <laughs> but um, that, that's really interesting. I didn't realize that, Joe, that that was a reworking of that original theme. That's really cool to know. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's awesome. Anyway, so that was the episode, and I really enjoyed it. And like I said, Ooh, I cannot wait for another episode. And how many of this is there? Is there like six? I know it's a small number, but not. I believe it's ten. Oh, ten. Yeah. Whoa. I think we are at ten. I episodes. say that, and I have a, I have the uh, calendar right here. If I just open my <laughs> book, so I know who does what when. Yeah. So we'll be here for the next for nine more weeks, you guys. You got us for the next nine weeks. Uh, after this we will be covering every episode uh, with different guests we're very excited yeah yeah and uh if you'd like to uh, contribute to anything you can send us an email at the picardcast at gmail.com you can send us a tweet at the picardcast on twitter uh you can find us on facebook picardcast i know i'm going to play the thing at the end anyway with all of this but we have a new thing. If you go to www.thepicardcast.com, it will take you to our landing page with links to all of those things. We have website. <laughs> I mean, it'll mm-hmm. change to a different URL at the moment. I mean, if anybody would like to donate some money so that I can pay for that, so that it'll actually stay. Give us money we'll so we can it. talk about uh, <laughs> One more time, since it's been a while, Joe, let us know where we can find you and what you're up to. Hood, you can listen to myself and David on Vintage Geeks. We do a podcast and talk about all kind of this kind of stuff, pop culture, stuff we've watched, DC, TV shows, and all that jazz. And you two are the are vintage not we the things are. that you're geeking out about. Yes, right. No, we do. No, but you do I mean, have we both. Do. Yeah. Yeah, we do talk about, you know, I like to, you know, wax nostalgic about mm-hmm. stuff in the 80s. And, uh, but, but yeah. you do talk we're, about we're, current we're a couple of gr- We're a couple of grumpy old guys, so. I He says that, but, I mean, they're some of the nicest grumpy old guys. And <laughs> honestly, like, they're really good good people. We have a lot of fun. It's a lot. It's, we have a lot of fun. It's just us shooting the shit in. That's what we like doing. Nice. Yeah, Rebecca, you got anything else going on? You can hear me on number one comic books if you are a comic book reader. We're kind of getting back on schedule with putting out episodes every other week. So if you are a comic book reader, you can hear me and my three co-hosts, Joe, Brian, and Rod. And if you listen to the previous episodes of this show, two past guests, Joe Stark and Brian, uh, have been on. And actually, this last episode that is probably available right now, um, my pick was the Picard comic, uh, issue one. So um, you can hear us talk about it a little bit. And yeah, so if you'd like to hear me a little bit more, you can hear me on number one comic book. And uh, I have started doing my uh, history podcast again, and it's called The Burrow. And we'll have just links to all these things in in our show notes as we have lately. Thank you so much, Joe, for coming back. Thank you for having me. We're glad you wanted to be the the first guest again. You might have to just be the first guest for every like section that we do. I I think it might be tradition now. I don't That's know. okay. I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Captain. Uh- <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> No, I have a lot. It's it's a lot of fun talking Star Trek and mm-hmm. and 
always love talking with you guys, so I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for listening. Boldly go where no one has gone before, and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. The Cardcast is hosted by Brooke and Rebecca. You can find us at facebook.com slash PicardCast, on twitter.com at thepicardcast, or email us at picardcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and boldly go where no one has gone before.